Welcome to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. In this program, Marty discusses waterfowl and upland bird hunting, as well as the clay target shooting sports, with some of the top industry leaders and shooting pros from around the world. If you're just starting out, or you've been hunting and shooting for years, we'll have wing and clay target news and information that you can use. Now, here is your host, Marty Fisher. And welcome to another very busy week here on Wing and Clay Nation Radio. I'll tell you, I have got a lot of stuff going on this week in the Wing and Clay News, and I have got a great guest that we'll be introducing here in a few minutes, and we're going to talk about something that we've never spoken about on this show before. We're going to get into some Olympic shooting, and I'm telling you, the, uh, the U.S. team has had some great success in Olympic shooting, and then we've had some some not-so-great success, and uh, 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 my buddy Hank Garvey, uh, who is a, uh, he is the man when it comes, starts talking about uh, Olympic bunker trap and things like that, uh, you know, we're going to have a, a remarkable conversation here in a few minutes, but I, I, uh, I, I want to start the show off, and I've got to do something that, that I always hate to do, and this is... Um, this is this is this has been a tough week for me, um, and and here's why. Uh, I want to dedicate this week's show to my former Shotgun Journal television partner, Bruce Scott. Uh, Bruce passed away earlier this week. Uh, he was a true pioneer in the field of shotgun instructional videos. He and his son Richard uh, owned Sunrise Productions, the largest producer of wing and clay instructional videos in the world. Many of you probably learned a great deal from one or more of Bruce's videos. He developed the iCam, you know, and that gave shooters an actual look at what the shooter saw down the gun when taking a shot and not what the gun saw. That was really revolutionary. You know, Bruce was a guest on my very first Wing and Clay Nation episode. You know, he and I traveled the world, four continents, more than a dozen countries while taping the Shotgun Journal series for almost a decade. We shot tens of thousands of game birds, taped many clay target events, and provided a lot of instruction that wing and clay shooters could use. You know, Bruce was the real deal. He was an avid clay shooter. I helped turn him into a wing shooter. He was liked by all who spent time around him, and our thoughts and prayers have to go out to his wife Donna, his son Richard, and the entire Scott family. Folks, I'll tell you, the wing and clay target world truly lost an icon of the sport earlier this week, and I will miss him terribly, terribly. May he rest in peace. So, you know, that's, I hate to have to start my show that way, but uh, what a great guy Bruce Scott was, and, uh, and uh, I promise you we're all going to miss him. Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's jump into something a little better here. Our first part of the show is going to be brought to you by my buddies out of the Crushable Vault. You know, for most of my adult life, I've been a traveling hunter. That's, my gosh, that's probably 50 years, and there's never been a time that I put my guns in my vehicle to drive off somewhere that I wasn't concerned that somebody might break into my truck and take those guns. Well, I discovered the Crushable Vault here about a year ago. That's a product that really put my mind at ease. It looks like luggage. You know, you put your gun cases in it. They're, uh, it's double cinched with, uh, with cables that are just, you know, almost impossible for anybody to get to unless they've got a jaws of life. And, you know, you put that in the back of your truck, you know, find a secure spot, you know, cinch it in there, put it in the back seat of your, of your, uh, your car, your SUV, whatever. And, um, your worries are over about somebody taking those guns because you and only you can get them out. 
So, that being said, check us out, crushablevault.com. You know, go in there. If you see something that you like, I'm sure you will. There's a little checkout box there in the, uh, uh, you know, in your, in your cart when you're done. Type my name in it, Marty, and you'll get an instant 10% off the purchase. So, crushablevault.com. Give those guys a look, and I think you'll find something there you really like. Okay, Wing and Clay News. Boy, there's a lot going on. Hey, I just saw... My good buddy, Phil Murray. Now, Phil Murray has uh, been with White Flyer Targets for as long as I can remember. And, and uh, I mean, literally back to, to when I started shooting competitive clays back in early, early 1980s, Phil was, was there. Well, he's announced his retirement at the end of this year. And, uh, you know, just want to wish Phil well. And, you know, he's, he, he's going to have a very well-deserved retirement, but something tells me we'll still see him around the clay target world in the future. So good luck, Phil, in the future, and thank you for all you've done. Now, something else. <clears throat> you know, we've um, we reported on a, a, an official Guinness Book of World Records attempt um, back at the World English Sporting Clays when a lady from Italy set the record for the longest clay target ever shot with a standard uh, clay target load of 106 yards. Well, the Guinness Book of World Records was there to do that. Well, here recently, it's been about a week or so now, uh, the record for the most targets ever broken in 12 hours. Now, think about this, 12 hours by a five-person squad of shooters was attempted. And Guinness was there with their officials to, to certify this. The old record was 4,602 targets in 12 hours. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but, you know, it is a lot, you know, if you're, if, if you're the one holding the shotgun. Well, now, this attempt was was held at Powder Creek Shooting Park in Lenexa, Kansas. Now, David Miller over at CZ, he's the shotgun manager and the shooting pro for CZ. He put this together, and it just didn't go pick somebody. It, the shooters that he used were chosen by, with an essay and some shooting performance, and every one of them either participated in the AIM program or SCTP. That was another requirement. So all of these were young people, with the exception of Dave. Now, reports are they got to the existing record, and they hadn't even broken a sweat yet. So, you know, that's that's not surprising. So off they went. In the end, there is a new record. Five-person team, three guys, two ladies, 12 hours, 14,176 broken clays. Well, that's a, that's a lot of shooting, let me tell you, and a, a, a lot of boom boom over the course for 12 hours. But congratulations to those shooters, and uh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, that's a, that's, that's a great accomplishment. All right, uh, we're coming up on a Nationals Week for National Sporting Clays. Uh, it's going to be held in San Antonio again. It looks like it's going to be a really big one. Uh, I checked as of today, 2,150 shooters have registered for something. You know, they have many events at the national championship. And, you know, shooters being shooters, many of them have registered for multiple events. So here's a real number that you can can kind of put your hat on about. Right now, total entries for all of the events, 9,900 and 65 entries for this event. So that's a, that's an awful lot of shooting, too. And, hey, if all goes well and according to plan, I will actually be in San Antonio for next week's show where I'll be broadcasting Wing Clay Nation live and on site at the national championship. You know, take a look at our social media sites, and we'll let you know. A couple of more things real quickly, and then uh, then we'll get to Hank. Um, 
I'm a big believer in charity shoots. You know, forever it was all golf tournaments, and people got tired of golf tournaments, and now we're now we're doing sporting clays tournaments to raise money for charities. And and uh, here are a couple of really good ones. My friends over at Mossy Oak Camo. Uh, you know, I am uh, on the national pro staff for Mossy Oak. Have been for many many years, and these people are really in the give back business in a lot of ways. They had the third annual Foxhole Shootout. Now, this is a sporting clays and golf event. And that uh, was a benefit for the St. Jude's Research Hospital, the Catch a Dream Foundation, which is a lot like Make-A-Wish, only they Make-A-Wish won't do uh, hunting trips. And Catch a Dream will. So when, you know, when, when kids that have issues, you know, want to do a hunting trip, Catch a Dream can step in and do it. And the sportsmen's organized for law enforcement. Uh, you know, those organizations were beneficiaries of this particular event. Uh, they raised 150000 net dollars uh, in that one day, you know, one day of uh, golf and shooting and a, a dinner afterwards and uh, was very, very successful. Uh, so congratulations to them. I happened to participate in, in the event I'm going to talk to you about right now. The Low Country Annie Oakley's Annual Charity Clays Event, which is held down here in the south where I live, uh, Far City Gun Club in Savannah, you know, my my personal gun club. They had 40 teams of shooters this year, uh, dozens of sponsors, and this was their fifth year. And in their fifth year, these ladies, and this is all run by ladies, they reached their goal of donating in five years a million dollars to children's charities. This year, the dollars went to the United Way and to the Ronald McDonald House. Last year, uh, I saw them, you know, walk out with a check of $200,000, which was just absolutely remarkable. And the final thing for you waterfowl hunters and collectors, uh, the, an Alabama artist just won the federal duck stamp competition, Eddie Leroy. Um, next year's duck stamp is going to be, uh, let's see, I want to say these are uh, black-bellied whistling ducks, and we're starting to see a lot of those here, uh, you know, across the southern part of the country. And uh, that's uh, that's what the the um, the painting is going to be next year. What the stamp's going to be? Uh, this is a twenty-five dollar stamp, as most of you know, but every year it raises about forty million dollars for to conserve wetland habitat, you know, all of, all across the country. So, congratulations, Eddie Leroy, and. Uh, that's about it for Wing and Clay News, but boy, that was a mouthful. So that being said, I'm going to bring my guest on right now. I, you know, I kind of alluded just a little while ago, Hank Garvey. Well, Hank Garvey is a guy that um, that I got introduced to by uh, by my good friend Jim Dunn, who is on the Midway USA Foundation board, and Jim's been trying to to put a, a bunker trap up in uh, up in central Indiana because there are a lot of young kids that uh, that want to get involved in this kind of stuff. And and he turned me on to Hank. And, and uh, you know, I read Hank's resume, and it, it, it would take the rest of this show to go over that whole resume of all of the wonderful things this guy has done. But I think the first time he and I ever really spoke, uh, he had just uh, was was just in the process of finishing it up an elk hunt where uh, where he was very successful with a really nice bull. I saw a picture of it up in Montana. So Hank Garvey, welcome to the show, my friend. Glad to have you on Wing and Clay Nation. Appreciate it. How are you today? I'm doing great, buddy. I, I really am. And uh, hey, look, I you know like I say, I can't uh, I can't go over your whole resume. So give me the short capsule <laughs> about Hank Garvey to tell, introduce yourself to the audience, and, uh, and then we're going to talk some Olympic shooting. Not a problem at all. Happy to happy to be on the show, and I thank you for the invite and uh, the opportunity to talk about bunker shooting and stuff. I 
little bit of background about me. I, uh, I've been hunting and fishing, trapping and all that stuff since I was a little kid. Um, I was one of the fortunate ones to have a father that loved the sport and got me involved. And, uh, so I, if it's got fur or feathers, I'm going to chase it. And, um, the rest of the time we're chasing clays. And, uh, I've had an awful lot of fun traveling around the country, you know, duck hunting some, as you mentioned, elk hunting. I was very fortunate to be out there this year and I love running, running my lab and do some uh, decoy carving, some boat building, but, uh, probably the last, oh boy, it's got to be 12, maybe almost 15 years. I've been involved with a lot of youth shooting and, uh, that's taken on a, a whole other role because our son was born and and uh he's now 20 almost 21 but very young age he decided that uh he wanted to shoot and my wife is very supportive about it she's also a competitive sporting clay shooter she and i dated as as uh a little younger and uh did a lot of sporting clay shooting so when he came along he started shooting on an sctp team when he was about eight and that got us going and since then we've been kind of rolling along on the whole international route and uh, once we found out or once our son found out he could actually go to the olympics and shoot which is a uh, an unknown fact for a lot of people um, that took us down a path that's got us to where we are today and it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a mouthful we definitely can cover a lot of it today during the during the you know the hour that you got for the show so sure but well, that's now a little you- bit of background yeah, you started you started shooting sporting back in in the late eighties. I mean, really, you, you, I think I, I think I saw in your bio you said nineteen eighty seven, and and that that probably yes, was sir. under USSCA or something like that because the NSCA really wasn't even really. And going I at actually, that point. no, it was it was nowhere near what it is today. And and you know, I I shot clay targets. It's it's ironic. I I shot them in a in a field you know behind the dairy farm that I worked at as a kid. And, uh, so, you know, a hand thrower and, uh, and a real simple old Winchester machine. And then as I got through college, I started shooting some sporting clays. It was coming along and, you know, it it piqued my interest because it's along the same lines as hunting and, you know, any, any opportunity to kind of train during the off season and get ready for hunting season was something that I would love to do. So, and, uh, it's been, it, it has changed the, the sporting clays game has changed as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, an awful lot since since that time frame, but it is it's a it's an awful lot of fun. I love shooting. I love shooting anything. It doesn't matter rifle, pistol, or shotgun. But sporting clays has definitely been a high on the list for the Garvey family for a long time. Well, you know, I mean, you you heard me mention the the charity shoots and everything. I mean, that's that's been just yep. a, a remarkable uh, way for, for certainly you know, groups to, to raise money and and people have a lot of fun and right. get introduced to shooting. So, but you know, sure you, you did that. You did that, and and your son Hank comes along, and and you know he's shooting SCTP, and um, right. You know, so so where where was the migration to the Olympic side? I mean, something had to move <laughs> you over to, to bunker trap because a lot of us sporting guys. Or like, you know, we don't even have any place to do that. So how did that happen? Right. You know, it, it's kind of funny. I, as I said, we we started an SCTP team and we did, you know, the typical shooting American skeet, shooting ATA, shooting some sporting. And, and I'm, as a coach, I'm a huge advocate of making sure that our SCTP team and I, since since day one that they learn how to shoot every discipline there is. Cause at the end of the day, my goal is to make sure that you're a lifetime shooter. 
that after you get out of the program and you're an adult, you got a job that you end up taking taking that sport and chasing it just like I have and you have, you know, the in your your lifetime. And um, so we were shooting all three of those disciplines, having a good time, and then we learned that you could host a junior Olympics. And for the for the listeners that are out there. There's a USA shooting is the national governing body in the U S for Olympic trap and Olympic ski. And it used to be for double trap, which we can talk about as a side Mm -hmm. comment. But what I did is I contacted the USA shooting and I said, we want to host a junior Olympics in Massachusetts. Nobody had one in the area. And the interesting part is that USA shooting is, is really supportive of the junior programs and, and, understands that they've got a big, huge funnel of athletes that need to get to that final one like Kim Rohde or Vincent Hancock. Mm -hmm. So we ran a Junior Olympics in Mass. We ran it on wobble traps, which you're allowed to do. You don't need a bunker in order to be able to host a a Junior Olympics in your state. And I would encourage any of your listeners who have a desire to get into Olympic shooting, if you want to do bunker, then... Find a wobble trap at your local gun club. Contact USA Shooting. You can host an Olympic uh, JO in your in your state. So that's how we got started. We hosted our first one. We I had a I had two wobble machines that were literally on pallets, um, and we we ran the JO and we had a bunch of kids that shot in it and really enjoyed it. And they're like, "Wow, this is a lot faster and a lot wider." And you know all the characteristics sure, of sure of ATA versus wobble. And uh, from that, we, uh, we ended up bringing the first set of athletes that we had. We went to the Junior Olympics out in Colorado Springs national event. And then it's like, wow, this thing's a lot bigger than a bread box. <clears throat> and there's an opportunity to win gold medals overseas and, you know, all that stuff. So from there, yeah. we, uh, we ended up n- realizing that we needed a bunker. We needed more experience shooting on a bunker. We had, I was actually one of the coaches on the, the old NRA advanced international camps, Les Grevy, myself, and Jim Meister and others. We used to do a camp out at the Cardinal Center because that was mm-hmm. one of the closest bunkers we had was in Ohio, believe it or not, from well, I had 12 listened, hour I can, drive. But and I can believe that too, and without question. Hey, yeah, look, we're up on we're up on a break, Hank. Let, let's take this first break. And when we come back, I want to pick up on that because you know, we're we're gonna progressively get to where we talk about the, the real Olympic stuff here. And I think the audience is gonna be very surprised at some of the things that they hear. Folks, stay tuned. Hank Garvey and I will be right back after these messages. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America variety channel looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping want to play the ponies 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And back we are, and uh, boy, I'm having a great conversation with, uh, with Hank Garvey, and we are getting ready to get into the nuts and bolts of Olympic shooting here in just a moment. But you know, if you're a social media guy like I am, and, you know, I hate that I am because I'm an old guy, you know, for, a, for the longest time, a computer to me was a glorified typewriter. Um, but now it's social media is kind of the rage. So uh, our website for the show is wingandclayradio.com, wingandclayradio.com. On Twitter, it's twitter.com slash wingclaynation. Our Facebook site, facebook.com slash wingandclayradio, and on Instagram, it's instagram.com slash wingandclayradio. So if you're a, a, a social media freak like like many of us are, and I, I've got to admit I've actually turned into that, by all means, go check us out there. Uh, before we get back to Hank, real quick, second part of our show brought to you by my friends at Negrini Gun Cases. Uh, you know... If you've got a really nice gun, good chance that you've got a case that Negrini made. They've been making cases for 35 years. They make them for Browning, for Blosser, for Krigoff, for Beretta. Yeah, you know, you get those cases that the gun came in, and Negrini probably made them. But they also make a remarkable line of more custom cases. And, you know, that's obviously what I use now because I, I want to have the best of the best because I travel a lot, and, you know, when you're throwing them in and out of trucks, on and off airplanes, all of that kind of stuff, I want that case to hold up. And uh, the the greeny cases are, you know, the, the strongest that you can get. They're TSA and International Airline approved. Uh, they look great. they got future do- uh, great double wall protection, and they're really lightweight to boot. I mean, my my Negrini case weighs half of what I had before. So, you know, I can throw two guns in there, and it's really like I'm just carrying two shotguns and not a big, gigantic, heavy metal case. So go check them out, negrinicases.com. If you see something in there that you like, they've got a little uh, promo code box, too. You type Marty in that box, 
If you spend 200 bucks, they will send you a, a brand new Negrini waterproof shot shell case, and they'll pay for the shipping. So check them out, negrinicases.com. All right, let's get back to Hank Garvey. You know, Hank, you were saying, um, you know, as we came up on that break, you are talking about, yes, I need a bunker. Well, you know, listen, I'm one of those guys, if somebody looked at me and said, Marty, where can you go find a bunker trap? I would be at a loss. I, I, you know, I can tell them where to shoot skeet. I can tell them where to shoot regular trap. Sure. I can tell them where to shoot sporting clays, but I sure as heck can't tell them where to shoot bunkers. So tell them, let's, let's pick that story up a little bit and uh, and move it forward. All right. So, uh, so you know, the <clears throat> the problem that we had was we were traveling to Pennsylvania and Ohio on a regular basis. So you're looking at a minimum of seven hours from Boston to get to any bunker that would be uh, a legal bunker with 15 traps in it and all that stuff. And we can talk about the details on that. But in any case, we finally got to the point where we, we built a mini bunker. I, I think I had told you off, off, off air about the three machines on a pallet stuck in a, in a ditch, you know, and you can mm-hmm. get pretty creative about trying to build whatever you need. But we knew that wasn't going to work long term. So we created a 501c3 called New England International Junior Shooting Sports. And, uh, we raised a couple hundred thousand dollars in private donations. And from that, we were able to construct a bunker. Now the challenge that I had in our case is Minuteman Sportsman's Club is the club that we belong to outside of Boston. It's the largest in New England. They didn't want to raise the money for it. They're happy to host it, but the problem is, and this has happened in a number of locations around the country, you go build the bunker on somebody else's property, the relationship falls apart for whatever reason. The only thing you can take out of it are the traps. So Mm -hmm. I actually put a pen to paper came up with a design that's actually a metal fabricated bunker. It's the only one in the U.S. It's actually the only one in the country. I mean, excuse me, in the world. And it's 40 inches wide. It's, uh, I mean, 40 inches deep, 8 feet wide, and 50 feet long. And it's metal. And Mm -hmm. it's coated with a a, a epoxy on it. And it sits in gravel. And we backfilled around it and put the 15 machines in it. The nice part is that if my relationship with our gun club breaks, I can dig it up, put it on a flatbed, and I can move it somewhere else so I don't lose the investment. So we built that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to, you know, I mean, you you were fine, but I was just going to say, you know, uh, uh, if it's going to stay there, you know, there's a concrete. Mm -hmm. Most people put them in in concrete. You know, yours is metal. You designed it, and it is a a commercial product. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll give some information on how people can check on that, you know, here before the end of the show. But, you know, a lot of bunkers are concrete. A lot, you know, they're also metal. But, you know, they are. The, the nuances of, of Olympic bunker versus American trap. I mean, you know, we've got a ton yep. of American trap shooters. You know, I was talking about at the Grand America sure. how many thousands of people there were shooting there. Sure. I talk about the right. Minnesota State High School trap shoot where they've got over 8,000 kids that mm-hmm. show up and shoot trap for a week. But, you know, they're yep. not shooting They're not shooting Olympic bunkers. So why don't just out of, you know, morbid curiosity – and, and I know, yep. but I don't think everybody knows. Tell me what Olympic bunker actually is, Hank. So what I'll do is I'll describe what Olympic bunker is in the comparison to ATA or okay. American right. trap, because a right. lot of people know that, right? Uh-huh. So in an American trap situation, it's 17 and a half degrees on either side of a center line, and there's no variation in the height. It's the same height, and they're going about 41 miles an hour, somewhere around there. In Olympic trap, 
you ha- and there's one machine in an ATA house. In an Olympic trap, it's 50 feet long. There's 15 traps in there. The targets are going anywhere from zero to 45 degrees left or right, and they're also varying in height, and they're also going around 65 miles an hour instead of 41 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So dramatic difference in, in uh, target presentation and speed. Um, and what you have is 15 machines, and if you divvy them up into, into sets of three, essentially you got five shooting positions, and there's three machines in front of each shooter. And you have a, a right target, a center target, and a left target that are sitting on those three machines. Mm-hmm. You shoot 25 targets, and it's randomized by a computer. So over the course of a round, if you and I were shooting around a, tra- a bunker trap, or Olympic trap, I may get the right-hand target off of post one. When you come through, you may get the center target or the left target, or you may get the right target. But over mm-hmm. the course of the, the round, I'm going to get two rights, one center, and two lefts. And you're going to get mm-hmm. the same number in combination also. Right. So as you go through and shoot bunker, you know, one of the things that is different is they call it a big dance because I start on post one and I shoot once and then I move to post two. And then I shoot and I move to post three and we all go around and around five times in order to be able to accomplish our round. Whereas in ATA, you shoot five times off the same station. Mm-hmm. So, so things, things are different from that perspective on the game. The other is there's six people in a squad instead of five. And most people probably wouldn't know that, but the sport is a, is a very challenging sport. It's, it's different from the perspective of your hold points. Your hold points are going to typically be on the roof of the bunker, although I can, we can go into the nuances of kind of some of the shooters bringing their hold point up a little bit and stuff like that. But the key is, just like any other shooting sport, as you know, Marty, is where are your eyes and what are you doing mm-hmm. with your eyes? Because at the end of the day, if your eyes aren't seeing the target, you're not going to break it. And uh, for, for bunker, the key is being able to, have a, a gaze or a soft focus and be able to look for that target in the right place and being able to see it. And sometimes it varies from range to range. We had the selection match last fall in uh, Tucson and there was a very dark berm line that was on the, on the berm on the outfield and the targets were flashing immediately. Well, some of the shooters made the adjustment, moved their hole points up, moved their vision point up and, and were able to, overcome the, the difficulty of seeing the target it was flashing so quick they were jumping on the target mm-hmm. so there's a there's a lot of little nuances with your whole point and your vision point much more than there is with with ata but right. that gives you a little bit of background on on what the difference is between <clears throat> the two for sure well what about the timing now you know in uh, i know in in, in in international skeet you've got up to a three second delay for when that target's going to appear is that the same in bunker no, in bunker it is it is immediate. As soon as you okay. call for it, and okay. actually each one of the microphones are electronically connected up to the computer. Okay. And it tells the computer the computer's randomizing things. If you call for it, the computer's gonna decide which of the three, but it is immediate. Mm-hmm. Um back in the old days there was actually a delay in double trap, international double trap, but that was quite a few years ago now. So, right. Now they've but, discontinued but with bunker, double trap. It, it's off to the races. Right. Now, disc- they've discontinued the double trap in, in the Olympics. Is that correct? 
They did, unfortunately, and we were a really, really strong double-trap team, uh, the Army Marksmanship Unit, and uh, Les Grevy had a program, and in our program, we had some really top-notch double-trap shooters, unfortunately. It was a men's-only sport. It originally started as a women's sport when Kim Rohde shot it in Atlanta mm-hmm. and won the gold medal, and then it mm-hmm. changed over to men's, and for those that don't know, now the Olympics across the board, no matter what uh, shooting to horseback riding to gymnastics, every sport's got to be equal men and women. So right. it was pretty pretty easy to cut double trap out, unfortunately, because it was a men's only sport. Right, so, right. Now, but now know, they and, and, what they did is they offer a mixed team event, and I don't know uh-huh. for those that have you right. know follow the U.S. team, and and I encourage you to get on the USA Shooting website dot org and and follow the team. We just had. Uh, some great success over in uh, Abu Dhabi and the uh, uh, young lady from California ended up winning the gold medal at the World Cup finals. And uh, she also medaled on a mixed team event. She was mixed with, I think, a gentleman from Italy. Um, And they, you know, they'll put men and and women together competing against other men and women together too. Mm-hmm. Now, now a lot of people, a lot of people listening to the show, you know, they, they you know, like I've, I've said before, they know Kim Rohde, they know Vince Hancock, they know about all of those medals. Right. Um, but you know, we've we've had it pretty tough in in bunker trap lately. You know, at least on the American side. Um, and and explain Advanced. how people, how how do you how do you become get to be. Uh, able to shoot in the Olympic Games because, and I don't mean just from a team standpoint, I mean, how does America qualify somebody? Because we're not just guaranteed a spot in the bunker trap. No, that's correct. Sure. So the, so the first thing you have with, with any Olympic sport shooting and others, they have what are called quota slot, quota spots. Now a quota is basically a ticket to the Olympics. It's a bed, it's a bed and a ticket to the Olympics. So, you have to compete at World Cups, World Championships, and like Pan American Games, which is where we secured a couple of them this year. Those in the last two years of a four-year quad, so the last two years coming up to the Olympics, um, you, have, you have to win first or second place at one of those events. If somebody who already has a quota slot for their country wins first or second, then they go down to the third or the fourth, whatever it may be. But that's the only way you can get a ticket to go to the Olympics. Now, that doesn't guarantee if somebody wins a quota slot for their country, at least in the U.S. shooting-wise, that doesn't guarantee you're the one that's going to actually go to the Olympics. Right. So then we have selection matches that are here in the States to choose who's going to represent our country at that Olympics. We're really fortunate this uh, this Olympics coming up in Tokyo 2020 that we have two for men's trap and two for ladies trap, and we have two men's skeet and two ladies skeet. So mm-hmm. we have the full course of quota slots already secured for uh, for all the disciplines, which is phenomenal. And then we haven't had that since uh, 2008. So the wow. the men's the men's trap. We haven't sent anybody. We haven't gotten that quota since 2008. So, you know, the past Olympics, it's been pretty dry, 12, 16. We, didn't, we ended up not sending anybody for men's uh, bunker. We did for ladies, but we didn't for men's. Right. So we're really, really excited. This, this 
this quad, there's a lot of people that are coming out of the woodwork that are saying, Hey, I want to, I want an opportunity to get that ticket and I want to go to, to go to Tokyo. So we just, uh, we just had part one of the selection matches was about a month ago and it was down in Kerrville, Texas. And, uh, we had a great match. Actually, our son was right up there in the top and he's banging away, trying to, trying to get to that spot. He's a college kid right now. Uh, but there's a lot of top shooters from the Army Marksmanship Unit. There's top sporting clay shooters like Derek Mine that are right in there. Um, a couple of college kids that are in there, like our son that's banging away at trying to get to that spot. Um, and then part two of it is going to be in uh, the end of February. It'll be down in Tucson, Arizona. And the combination of those two put together, it's going to be close to 600 targets that'll determine who the two top people are that'll go for each one of those quota spots. Wow. So two men, two ladies will, will be determined and then the same thing on the skeet side also. Well, that's a, yeah, that's really remarkable because, you know, you, you talk about pressure. I mean, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's really it. Hey, listen, and I want to talk about that pressure when we come back. We're up, on, we're up on our last break in the show, so let's take that now. And when we come back, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, about, about the Olympic qualifier and, and, and how to do that. And uh, we'll also give out some information on how to get in touch with Hank. If you or your club has got any interest in doing anything with Bunker Trap, this is the guy to get in touch with. So, folks, stay tuned. Hank Garvey and I will be right back after these messages. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You 
are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And welcome back. And boy, we are having a great conversation with Hank Garvey. And I mean a great one. And we're going to continue that in just a second. So, hey, I know everybody can't listen to this show live. You know, it's live radio, but we're fortunate enough that this thing is going to be downloaded, uh, you know, to the Internet, um, 24-7, on-demand listening. Uh, you can go to the, the uh, show website, wingandclayradio.com. There are links to get you to uh, to all the on-demand stuff. Uh, but, but we're also uh, on podcasts. I mean, I know there are a lot of podcast listeners out there. We're on, we're on iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and now we're on the iHeartRadio podcast. So uh, you go to any of those and just search uh, Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation, and every show that we have ever done will pop up right there for your listening pleasure. Uh, let's get back to Hank and I um, – you know, Hank, I, I, you and I had had talked a little bit uh, before the show, and and uh, you know, I, I kind of mentioned something about you know what it's like to have USA on your on your vest, you know, and and it and it kind of brought me to the to the uh, uh, Herb Brooks deal in the movie Miracle, you know, you know, where he was talking about the the name on the front is a lot more important than the name on the back. Well, in this case, on the vest, you know, the name on the top is the little name of the shooter, and the big thing says USA. Talk a little bit about that pressure. I mean, that's a that's got to be huge when, when it comes down to whether you're representing your country or not. I think, uh, you know, me being a, a- Patriot and growing up in a household with a with a an ex marine, there's nothing I can think of that's bigger than representing your own country, and and I can speak to it myself because I've had the honor of being a team lead three times, bringing the juniors over for World Cups over in Germany and Italy, um, and I was nervous, and I'm a coach, mm-hmm. but then you go and think about what these athletes are going through, and it is incredible amount of pressure. A lot more than, you know, there's, a, there's and, I, and I'm not trying to belittle any of the matches that we have here, you know, and you got ATA shoots and sporting clays and everything else, but, okay, now take that whole thing and go to the world championships in Lenato, Italy, and watch Morgan Kraft. She was, she was not only there for the, the world championships, but she was also there to determine who was going to end up going to the Olympics that year. And the pressure that those athletes are under because they've got those three letters on their back and the fact that the name is a lot smaller and there's a reason because they're, the name is a lot smaller, but the pressure that they go under is, is you can't buy that kind of pressure in a match situation. And the only way you're going to get it is if you start competing overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we talk about, we were mentioning about Derek mine and, and Derek, you know, here's a, here's a guy who's, had all kinds of accomplishments as a as a sporting clay shooter, feed toss, right? Every game under the sun, he's a great gun pointer. He's a great competitor. But even he, the first, and he and I, you know, we see each other at a lot of the matches and stuff, the USA shooting matches and stuff. Even he shared with me the nerves and the pressure is just different when you're over there at his first World Cup. It was like, oh, my God, it's totally different. You know, so mm-hmm. that's how do you prepare for that? 
that's one of the challenges we have as coaches to try to get our athletes ready for that pressure and trying to trying to get our our athletes to more matches is one of the things that we critically need uh, in the states and also getting athletes overseas too. So there's a number of the Green Cup and a number of other uh, non-World Cups, but they're huge shoots. Most of them are going to be in Europe, Italy, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to raise the money with USA Shooting to be able to send our athletes over there so that they get more match experience is critical. I, you know, Derek had a fantastic for those that follow the part one of the Olympic trials. Derek's in first first place right now, and you know, I had people who said, "Why is why is Derek in first place? He's a sporting clay shooter." Derek's a he's older. He's in his thirties, but B he's mature. And he's also a mature competitor. And if you think about it, a lot of our athletes that compete in the international side of the house only have three matches a year, maybe four if they're a junior. And we need more matches. We need more bunkers, and we need more matches to build more experience. But Derek, on the other hand, has been a sporting clay shooter, feet toss, everything else. He's going to a match every two weeks that's got a ton Mm -hmm. of pressure. So... That, I think, is probably one of the things, never mind the fact that he's a really good gun pointer and can shoot anything, but I think that match experience, I, I was there because our son was shooting in the Olympic trials too, and I had another athlete that was there too, but, the, but to watch him and how he got ready and prepared for the match, he, he's, he's as strong, if not stronger, on the mental side of the game as he is on the, the ability to actually shoot the target. And, and he's been a, he's been an edu- uh, he's been a learner of the, of the, the game over the last three years. He's been to a number of the matches over the last three years. It's not like he just showed up at one of them and that was it. Um, he's put some serious effort into learning how to shoot this game better. And, and it is different. It's different than sporting clays. It's different than fitas. Um, and you have to train differently for it. And, um, and those are that, that mental side and that pressure is, is probably one of the biggest challenges that we have to prepare our, our uh, athletes for, for these competitions, for sure. Well, the good news is that we've got more and more and more young shooters, you know, literally than ever before. And, uh, yes, and, and, and there's suddenly more, a, a greater demand, you know, as you and I know, Hank, we're working on something in West Tennessee. I mean, you've got a number, mm-hmm. number of other projects that you're working on, another one over in Texas, you know, uh, yep. where, where bunkers are going to be put in. Now that, that can't do anything, but, but help in the long run, because it gives, it gives shooters, uh, especially the young shooters, greater exposure to the game that we're talking about. Yeah, no question about it, and and that, and that was kind of one of the one of the things that popped up out of out of you know a product of of what we did. We created this bunker, you know, and I built it seven years ago. And then there was a lot of people that were asking me about what did I do, how did I do it, you know, what size wire do you need, what do you you know, what traps do I get, all that kind of stuff. Well, it ended up bringing a full circle. Um, Dick Leeper, who works with the Potterfields you know, had encouraged me that, hey, you have a really good product here and, and a ton of knowledge. And we keep seeing bunkers that are built that are built incorrectly. There's not a good set of plans for bunkers until just, you know, recently with what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, even USA Shooting doesn't have a set of plans for a bunker. And, and uh, you know, Jay, Jay Waldron will admit 
don't use the plans <laughs> that we did for our <laughs> own bunker. So, you know, I was encouraged to, to start this little LLC and I'm not trying to slay a dragon, but it's, uh, but it's, I've got a lot of knowledge from crawling in and out of bunkers all over the place, building the metal one that I've got that we ended up starting our, our LLC. It's called 3GE and, um, and it stands for three Garvey enterprises. No surprise there, but you know, it, it's, uh, it's kind of a labor of love for us to try to build more bunkers around the country. And now it's kind of taken off and I'm pretty excited about it. We, uh, we have a bunker we're building in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm actually going down for my first site visit uh, the end of this month. Um, we're working hopefully on one in Tennessee, West Tennessee. And um, I'd actually the Army Marksmanship Unit is looking at a couple of the metal ones for, for them down there. Um, they're going through the approval process, and I hope that that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully Indiana next year, and, and I've got other ones that are in the pipeline that uh, that people are asking, uh, you know, a lot of questions and pricing and all that kind of stuff. But basically, at the end of the day, I've got a, a really good solution for concrete and for metal. You can do either one and um, great pricing on traps and the electrical pieces and the computer. And it's a pretty complex thing to put in. And, and unfortunately, it's not something that you do. If anybody ever does it, they only do it once. In my case, I've done it several times with, which has been a big, big, big help for me. Sure. Well, you know, and, and the big thing, and the big thing is it, it, you got to get it right. I mean, it's got to, the targets have got to be the right elevation. They've got to be the right, the proper angle. I mean, every, everything has got to work in there. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's real simple to, 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 to see how, Everything you know, when people throw them in, may not be exactly right. I mean, I see, I see trap skeet, trap fields and skeet fields and sporting clays layouts and all of that stuff that have have mistakes on them all the time. And sure. uh, you know, yeah. and so, but but you've made a science of it, and uh, and as a result, you know, when when we put one of yours in, it's the real deal, and that's uh, that's really yeah. you know that's what we're looking for because I can tell you, I, I I've got a sneaky suspicion that we're going to have more and more and more people shooting Olympic bunker uh, than we've ever had in the very, very near future. I do too. And, and I'm, I'm super excited about it because I, I want to see more bunker shooters and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm the Northeast regional field rep for SCTP been involved with SCTP for a long Mm -hmm. time. I got a regular daytime job. I'm an IT guy, but I wear a couple of other hats and, and, you know, you look at SCTP, there's 16,000 kids in the program around the country, and the goal for next year is 20,000. No coincidence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're running camps, and, and uh, actually the we've got a USA shooting SCTP team now, so it's, it's kind of like a feeder team that goes to the, to the next level, which is the, the national junior team. And then, obviously, you want to get to the national team when you're, when you're not a junior anymore. So there's a, there's a series of opportunities for these athletes, even within our junior programs like SCTP, sure. to shoot international, get on a team, get coaching, get training. Um, you know, and if we have more bunkers built around the country, excuse me, that, that are accessible and not just, you know, it's a private, private range or something along those lines, we're going to do nothing but increase the number, the odds for us to win more gold medals overseas. Well, and, and, and at the end of the day... That's what we want, you know. Yeah, that's that's what it ultimately is all about. And, and uh, you know, just a second, I'm going to give you a chance to let everybody know how to get in touch with you. But I, I do need to say, hey, folks, the last portion of our show, 
has been brought to you by my good friends at ESP. That's Electronic Shooters Protection. My good buddy Jack Homa owns that particular company, and it's a product that I've been using for more than two decades. It protects my hearing. It's custom hearing made specifically for me. I mean, my plugs have got my name written in them, so they're mine and mine only. But here's the deal. Everything over 90 decibels, it just kind of neuters it down, and 90 is the point when all the audiologists will tell you it's time to to, to start protecting that hearing. So you can have a general, regular conversation with these in, and it blocks that shooting whenever it, uh, when it needs to. So check them out, ESPAmerica.com. Now, Hank, before we go, we've got a couple of minutes. Um, talk to me about how folks get in touch with Hank Garvey if they've got an interest in talking about a bunker trap. Sure. And it, and I one other note that I'll say is that, you know, the – the bunkers that we have are, are uh, been, been, I've got a big thumbs up from Jay Waldron from the U.S. team. You know, he's a, he's really excited to see this happen, too, because it's just going to give him more shooters. But Absolutely. if you're interested in, in either one of the bunkers um, or, you know, any consulting and stuff like that on them, you just get in touch with me. My, my cell number is 978-270-8300. And my email is hhgarvey, so it's h-h-g-a-r-v-e-y at gmail.com. And my website is on Facebook, so facebook.com slash 3G-E-L-L-C. All right. That's the best way to get in touch with me. Feel free to give me a call. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Uh, You know, if you're interested in in a bunker and, and... I think you'd be very surprised at how how successful and how much fun it would be to have one at your club. You know, Hank is the guy to get in touch with. But Hank, we're you know we're we're unfortunately we're up on the clock as 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 we sometimes tend to be. You know, time flies <laughs> when you're having fun. But buddy, I can't yes, I can't thank you enough. You provided some great information. I mean, you know, I, I want to see us catch up with those Europeans in this bunker trap because that's what they shoot over there, and there's no reason that America can't be there every time. So thank you for Absolutely. being a part of the show tonight. Well, thank you very much for hosting me. I, I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully there's other folks out there like yourselves and, and uh, some of the other gun clubs that I've spoken to that are interested in a bunker. I'd love to help them out and get another one going. So well, I'm, appreciate I'm the sure time. That's thank you. You bet. Uh, folks, that's about all the time we've got for, for today. Um, hey, be sure to check us out. We'll be live at the National Sporting Clays Championship next week. So until then... Be safe, shoot well, have fun, and by all means, take a kid or somebody new shooting. They'll appreciate it, and so will I. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Please join Marty again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week's show, think safety first and good shooting. We'll be right back.